hear the word of the Lord, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean of the evil. And then it sounds as, as if you're equipped. You're being retaliated with a sense of, uh, with a, with everything you could imagine that's bad. You're being hit from every angle, but yet you're still being reminded to be steadfast, to hold still, be still my soul if you would, because you're still equipped. And in a lot of us, we take this immediately, that arsenal, the, the damage, the fight, if you would, the artillery that's being oppressed on you, a sense of oppression. We take this as an assault. I'm being assaulted immediately. I have to be defensive. But be still my soul within that storm, not sadness and sorrow, but joy and proclaim, stand stand firm on that foundation of Christ your Savior and Redeemer. Resisting of evil, learn to do good. And what does that actually mean? That means that we are guaranteed to be embraced in in that scale, if you would. And I don't know if it's morale, if it's practicality. Some would say it's righteous, it's evil, it's heaven, it's hell, right, wrong, good and bad. I, right? And we, we get that mentality. I think it's biblical. It's more searching. You see it. It's plain black and white. It's, it's on the paper. You flip the page. It still remains the same. Right? It remains the same. But I think learn is the testament of I already knew what decisions you were going to make prior to making them. And you truly don't have anything to worry about. So then you can confine in me. You can bring it closer, near, and dear to me in a sense of intimacy. Well, we often foreshadow or we forecast what is going to be happening. We look at the prognosis when we forget about the immediate. What? What is it? Can you define it? Think about what I'm saying. We look at the prognosis when we immediately we should be looking at the diagnosis. Currently, what are we experiencing? How are we finding him within it? If you need healed, if you need fixed, you can find him. But instead, we're looking at what's to come and what we're anticipating. I referenced it yesterday when we were talking, and I can't remember the topic, that some of us, we have it in our minds. We know who we are when we get to that location, when we start to talk to this person. We put on a different social hat. We respond differently. The terminology that we're using is more according to what they want and what they need. We change who we are so we are more appeasing to them in every way, shape, and form. And, and, and I wonder for a second, and it goes to the mindset and the notion, the way I think, there's a lot of us will do absolutely anything we can to get what we want. The right or wrong scenario, the good or the bad, the righteous or the evil, it doesn't come into play. It isn't that moral suspension of having an agony to where you're not really sure if anybody's listening or watching and should I do it. And truly, it's what you're doing when you think nobody's watching and we are never alone. But it is that mindset. We're going to do what we want to do even when nobody's watching. Because it's right for us. And what if we had that mindset for, for him? What if it was, I'm going to continue to sovereignly give it to him, to love him, to receive him, to be redeemed, to so that I can be forgiven, not to cast stones of fear and, and condemnation and doubt, but to be accepted, not to fear it itself, but to embrace it, to accept it, to be receptive to it. And I think that's the mindset. But it goes beyond being a mindset. We ourselves, we're incapable, we're not competent, and we take that to that undefining moment. Well, I can't define it right at this exact moment. I'm not sure how the interpretation is relevant, so I'm just going to make it right for me. And if it's right for me, then I'm going to attempt to make it right for you. But how come when it becomes right for me, I make it wrong for you, and vice versa? So if you shall love thy enemy as yourself, or love your neighbor as yourself, Lord, forgive me, and our direct references, we're strangers to who we are, and strangers to ourselves, we're strangers to him in thought, word, and deed, and we don't are incapable of embracing that walk of light that we so often are seeking, 
then who are we? Where are we going? And where did we come from? The submissiveness needs to be that we are guaranteed to improve. Confession, forgiveness, repentance. It doesn't matter if you dwindle during the storm. It doesn't matter if you've fallen so hard and you're not sure which way to get up and to look up and which way to go. You believe in the power of prayer and the purest form of testament allows you to continuously keep advancing in this world without forecasting what is going to happen. And by the way, when you cast that stone, right, and, and, and you can take it to a different mindset, but there's some of us that can get into these different levels of integrity or power or notion and belief and then into where it's justifiable of like, whew, I really don't want to change anybody's outcome. And I think along that line, but when you get to that mindset, when you're forecasting yourself, you've already made your mind up before you get there. And that's not fair to God, because God works miracles on this earth. He comes into your heart, into your heart, soul, and mind, into your life when you need Him the most. And when we don't need Him, well, guess where He is? He's still right there with us. He's not the fair weather, so I call it the forecasting. He's not the fair weather God. He's going to be there when the weather is sunshine is nice. Let's go take the boat out. Let's go water skiing. I'm going to go outside and tan. I mean, it looks nice today. How about around the golf? A very good example. But He's there when the storm is, is is above and when it is pouring outside and you see lightning and thunder and you can hear and the heavy winds are picking up he's still there with you so don't resent to accept that he is forgiving you because if you hold on to the inequity to the bondage to what you've been experiencing and what you have experienced because he's still the same he's going to remain the same past present or future he's going to be there for you so it's up to you. Remember, he gave you that freedom of will. It's up to you to be capable of letting go of it. And once you let go of it, and once you are freed and redeemed, and you hold on to him with everything you've got, then there's nobody that can come in between you and that relationship. And that relationship should be, it should, it should involve a high integrity of commitment, and it should be certain. Certain in the sense of the power of prayer. I confide in him, he confines in me. So how dare you? But who are you daring to yourself? No more, no more than anybody else other than yourself. And you never condemn somebody else because I guess you got what you wanted. You only condemn yourself. Very good. Rescue the oppressed. Defend the orphan. And then I think it's fulfilling of the wife in some way, shape, or form. But these three entities, these labels, what does it mean? And we take it so literal. We put it in flesh form when we walk in that sense of oppression and agony. What does it actually mean? Well, I am the widow in a sense of idolatry, right? Because I don't have that unity with God. And I am the orphan at the same time. How come? Because I'm crawling on the floor with a pacifier theologically as I'm lacking this stern sense of maturity, knowing that I am a child of God. Uh, think about, think about what I'm saying here. If the, if the notion is first person, and I'm not in a sense of throwing another label out it, like it's a catalyst of something that needs to be defined. I mean, get over it, right? Just get over it. Sounds like practical, like you continue to advance in this world. But think more along the lines of what if it was me because it was him. So what if it was me and because it was him? And then I think it becomes more literal. I think we need to get over the hump of every topic being in theory and in reason. Because putting on a shelf 
discussing it, pointing at it, talking about it, writing a book about it or reading about it. It doesn't actually get us nowhere, but actually toiling in that garden, that garden that you've been given, toiling in it. I'm talking laboring, pulling the weeds, tossing the rocks out, right? Planting them seeds, adding miracle grow and watering your flowers, if you would, so you can receive that bountiful harvest. You watch your own garden grow in multiple different aspects, emotionally, physically, and in every shade and every value because you are invested in it and it is invested in you. So it can't be the oppression of his word, the word of God. Lord, forgive me, right? As we listen to it, it can't be a catalyst for our mentality to be off to the races. Are you receptive to the truth? And arguably enough, someone say, what does that mean? Some individuals are sitting up in church and you see them, you see them in church and they're sitting there and you see somebody, they stand behind the pulpit and they start talking and they get all hunched down. And they're sitting there and they're so worried that something bad's going to happen to them. Like the, like there's a crater that's going to fall through the roof and they're going to be injured immediately. And they're tucked in there and saying, awesome, boom! Here comes the saving, redeeming power of God and of grace. And you weren't ready for it. Well, you shouldn't be scared. You shouldn't be walking on eggshells. And you shouldn't be walking up into the house of God scared out of your own wits. For goodness sakes, what are you going to do? But that is the mentality and the mindset. And we use the gospel as a catalyst for others because it's the comparison notion where there is relevance. But if he already knows every decision that we are making or that we're going to make, why do we have anything to worry about? The forecasting. So think about the hindsight, the forecasting in the present. Past, present, future. He is the same. He remains the same. How do you... How do you directly insert yourself and continue to grasp him within those topics and within those concerns? Because it should remain the same, should it not? If he remains the same, your biased view and a sense of perception of like a placebo, one day I read the Bible, one day I didn't, it should not change. It should still be in substance, the Trinity. Am I wrong? I, I, and I think you take it there, but it needs to be right for you. But it's us. It's me. It's I. Remember, it's we. It's I, self here. Very good. So immediately the following is, if you are true to the testament and true to what I've given you, you find fulfillment. You find sustainment. Red as the crimson, you shall eat of the land. You shall be capable of experiencing prosperity in every aspect possible. It's really easy to get carried away into the left side, right? And, and I'm not biased. You go left or right. But let's call the left dark and let's call the, the right bright. Let's say good and evil, good on the right, left on the bad. For this example, only for an example, and it's so easy, they say to write that fine line between wickedness and evil, because you find the true power within the, the very rarest of times. In my darkest hour, there is the cross, there he is with me, Lord forgive me, I, I forgive, I accept, I redeem, come, come into my heart, soul, mind, and receive me. But the moment you take it just a little bit too far, off to the races you go. After races, you go, who are you? Well, where did you come from? And by the way, where are you going? If you don't mind me asking, what are you looking for? What did you need? Well, Lord, forgive me. Those questions should be answered way before you got to that point. That's the crossroad. That's the fork in the road. Well, who are you? It's very good. But if you're not sure who you are, and the only person you might be, is the person that is defined by others by the character dialogue of social assertion mixed with the emotional attachment of the oppression of his word, the word of God.
forgive me? How could it be? How could it be? Well, you need to be thankful. You need to be saved and you need to be redeemed. But nobody else can do that for you. You've got to do it for yourself. And if you do it for yourself, you'll be reminded of the thankfulness that is provided within and thought and theory and heart, soul and mind. You see, our spirit and the Holy Spirit, and some refer it to be the Holy Ghost, our spirit lives within us and it gives us these opportunities to find God every day. And I tell everybody, how many how many times today were you capable of finding God or finding Christ within your daily lives? He's there every day in every shape and every form. Well, you don't have anything to worry about. Think about what I'm saying. But you shall not regret not getting to be with him. So if you are the one that gets left behind, you don't get to have that fulfillment that he's provided for us. He provides us everything. Remember, forgive me. You can't point the finger at somebody else. You can't use blame as the excuse because live in a world where you don't owe anybody anything and they don't owe you anything. What does that mean? By the way, who are you? It's very good. It's very good. But you take it as far as you want. Remember, sitting in the house of God, you couldn't be any safer. you got nowhere else in the world to go. You're sitting in a church pew, and all of a sudden, you shiveled up like a little prune turned into a raisin. Where you going to go? Where you going to go? And you shall be devoured by the sword. We can get to the point where it gets worse than this. We face the double-edged sword. It catches you on the way in and on the way out. And some extreme lacerations, whether they're emotional or social, they really have a, a bearing presence behind them. It's heavy in a sense of inequity. But if you shall choose to follow the word of your Savior and your Redeemer, the city of Zion, and they don't reference the city, but Zion, and Zion is the remembrance of the city Remember the church, the city, the synagogue, the focal point, the temple where you store your treasures in heaven, eternity. I'm holding it near and dear to my heart, to my soul. For he already knows everything that I want and what I seek and what I see find. Oh, yeah. That's right. Very good. So you can't in no way, shape or form be homeless. I'm only trying to find home. Of course you are. And he will continuously bring you home. Even me at this exact moment, forgive me, I might not be favorable at this exact demographic, physically, but he knows. And I know he's capable of moving me because I move within him. So the city, Zion, I seek it, I find it, the fulfillment, the temple, the synagogue, right? Think about the church, the body. And in this case, is the demographic, the state, forgive me. Well, they all come together. Who are you? I'm a child of God. Where did you come from? I came from God. I am a gift. And where are you going? I seek eternity. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness.